Welcome to Hanging On For Hope. I'm your host, Andrea Page. Hanging On For Hope is the stories about people working to overcome trauma and adversity. From incarceration to kids in crisis, postpartum depression, acute grief and loss, and serious health challenges, we hear from everyday people on what they're going through and how they get through it. We also hear from experts on the latest strategies, supports, treatment, brain science, for overcoming adverse life experiences and improving quality of life. Today's guest is Habib Ali. Habib studied uh, at Queen's College in Guyana before he graduated with a master's in Islamic theology and Arabic language from the famous Dioban Seminary in India. He also holds a diploma in journalism from Delhi. He is also the author of 19 books on Canadian Muslims and contemporary Islam, including the recent Underground Lines 150 plus verses celebrating Canada, uh, Canada's 150th anniversary. Gosh, he's done so many um, things. Uh, there's just too many to list. Um, he presently serves as a development officer at Human Concern International, dedicated towards global humanitarian efforts, and is also a federal chaplain with the correct with Correctional Services Canada. Welcome, Habib, to the show. Thank you, Andrea, for having me on. Such a pleasure. So. Gosh, you're doing so much. You are a busy man. Yeah, too busy for myself. <laughs> I would imagine. And as we speak right now, you are, I, I understand, in the car, driving back from a day of, of serving men in need who are incarcerated. Is that right? Yes, I am on the road. And um, I do visit the men who are incarcerated uh, a number of times during the week. So do you have, so you go multiple times a week? Yeah, multiple times per week. Um, I have, I serve different institutions in, uh, in Ontario. As a chaplain, I've been doing this uh, for the last 12 years. There was a time when uh, there was only one Muslim full-time chaplain serving all the institutions in Ontario. And the need was to have a second backup chaplain continue visiting some of the institutions that were deprived and ever since then with lots of changes in between I've continued to serve as a Muslim chaplain and as a diversity chaplain. So I can only I mean gosh it must be you know emotionally challenging work but yet at the same time you know, it, it doesn't matter. And it's interesting because I also realized that you were involved with the interfaith chaplains. So all the chaplains from the very different, I actually just saw on your Facebook, a picture of you and some of the original chaplains that had gone into uh, um, corrections in Canada. And you all really work really, it seems like really closely together uh, to bring this type of healing and support to incarcerated men. And I'm, I'm going to suspect women as well, even though that's not what you're doing, but I'm just assuming it's in obviously both the men and the women's prisons. Yeah, I have worked with the women in the past for many years. And uh, as uh, the Charge of Rights of Freedom guarantees uh, each and every inmate the facility of their spiritual community and their spiritual leader as well as religious accommodation so we have worked uh, closely with not only 
Muslims, but uh, people of other faiths, including Jews and Christians, Hindus, Rastafarians, and Wiccans. So the men um, and women that we serve, as much as they were like, or they're inclined to see someone from their own community or their own faith, um, anyone could see any chaplain and receive counseling, compassionate listening, empathy, or just to facilitate whatever needs they have in terms of their spiritual growth. Okay, so that's, and how often do you find, I mean, it seems obvious to me that somebody who is practicing their, you know, preferred faith uh, would reach out to someone, but do you find often that people who are in crisis may use this as an opportunity to uh, use faith as one pathway to, um, you know, heal? For the yeah, first and there are many studies. There are many studies that have been done about faith and spirituality have playing an active role in in helping someone overcome trauma grief and lots of other psychological issues that they may have and uh, it's nothing different than those who are in senior homes or hospitals universities police uh, frontline workers the same happens in those who are incarcerated so their lives have been quite dotted with trauma and pain and loss and anger and anxiety and depression and addictions. So chaplains uh, basically open the doors for those who see them to find uh, hope and faith and forgiveness and mercy and an opportunity for all Canadians to reintegrate into society since we do not have death penalty or capital punishment so that's a unique thing about the canadian justice system that everyone eventually gets a chance to leave and to be reintegrated into canadian society so this is an important work of it ensuring that they have the tools and uh, attributes that come with that uh, in order to reintegrate successfully into society well and i think you know as somebody who doesn't necessarily, I personally don't associate with one specific faith. I was raised, you know, raised sort of Christian, but actually have uh, Judaism on one side, you know, and have gone through all of the different things. But, you know, I, it's interesting to me as I'm looking at corrections and I'm looking at rehabilitation and I'm doing my research, uh, you, and, and you just mentioned the research, that um, that this type of work within the prisons is actually some of the most successful work uh, for helping uh, people who are really in a lot of pain rehabilitate. Um, it's it's remarkable to me because I think that's the piece, right? When you are when you are lost and life has brought you to, you know, I think most would say in prison you know, is obviously one of the lowest points that some a human being can, can get to in their life's journey, um, that you definitely need guidance um, to find your way out and you need hope and you do need faith and you do need mercy. And the truth is, is that, you know, I don't think anybody, anybody who has done their kind of research, you know, we are not born bad. Life throws us curveballs. Um, and, 
you find yourself in this really challenging situation. And you mentioned a really good point is that all, most inmates, if not all in Canada are going to go back out into society. So it is in our interest uh, uh, socially to make sure that they have access to all opportunities for healing. Yeah, and uh, it's a holistic approach because uh, there are a number of uh, players in the life of someone who's incarcerated, including people of psychology, um, skills training work, vocation, schooling, social work, um, hobby craft, um, you know, music. So, as an interesting piece, um, I do not only support the the spiritual journey of the men, but if there are other opportunities like art, um, I support that. So as a matter of fact, um, for the One Love Gala that we've been doing for the last eight years, last year and this year, we're having the presence of a classical musical band that actually goes into the prison and takes classical music free of charge, piano and violin and cello and viola, so that the men could uh, experience something. And uh, from experience, I've been in their presence. These are grown men who have either shown emotion or cried or just a different you know, demeanor walking around with a smile on their face or just open up their stories. So it's amazing um, the holistic approach that we have uh, as chaplains and corrections that we are proud of. Well, and that's, you know, that's really wonderful. I feel like that is, you know, when you actually read about art and brain science, uh, it is, you know, it's not just that art is just some cathartic, because it is cathartic, but it is actually helping people to rewire their brain and their central nervous system. Um, and, you know, I actually recently myself met a former gang member who spoke at an event that I was at who had been an artist as a young boy, but had lost it in his, his trauma and uh, life events, but then has actually used his art as recovery. Uh, and it was such a profound story. And, and so I'm curious, just kind of as a mom who also has an incarcerated son, as somebody who's an advocate, you know, how easy, how easy is it is, how easy it is, is it rather for, um, inmates to access this programming like with the amount of like you know I'm just kind of putting this out there with like with lockdowns and and staff challenges and all of the kind of you know the lay of the land of politics in Canadian corrections you know are, are you finding that that most inmates can access this programming? Absolutely uh, once they are willing or there is some, some kind of an interest um, the chapel doors are always open. There are always chaplains available in different times throughout the day. Uh, request forms are easily filled uh, either by themselves or with the help of someone. And uh, visits or, or meetings or just permission for them to attend a program or a chapel service. Um, so from experience, um, I've had many non-Muslims who have attended, as an example, our service, um, our Islamic service um, because they just want to check it out or learn something or just be there and uh, uh, the same goes for many other 
Sunday services, for example, some of them are ecumenical, so anyone could attend. As a matter of fact, uh, on a better note, uh, during the Christmas time, um, the Salvation Army had their Christmas celebration in the chapel, and and uh, I had my uh, Islamic uh, program um, in the chapel, and I told the Muslim brothers to join in, and so we all celebrated together and sang and learned something from each other and shared something from each other. So it's a, quite a, a journey once someone is willing to show some interest. Sometimes other inmates as well share uh, knowledge and you know talk about their stories and it increases interest in the other inmate. So either from the social worker to the chaplains to the chapel itself or just from inmates or the administration. I'm sure um, from experience people do get a chance to participate in these events very easily. So you had mentioned before, just because uh, for my listeners, I wanted to kind of clarify. So if, if an inmate wanted to uh, connect or meet with a chaplain uh, once or ongoing, uh, they need to fill out a request form. Is that correct? Yes, they need to fill out a request form, and which is uh, uh, easily gets to the desk of the chaplain, and then he or she responds to them by calling them and setting up a meeting, and and then you know have a as many meetings as necessary to deal with their issue. So that's the the procedure. Um, at, uh, as I said, sometimes it's uh, not even so. Like depends upon the security level or where that, that inmate is um, next to the chap chapel area. Right. So they can also w walk into the chapel and talk to the chaplain and uh, seek his or her, her help. Yeah. Right. So for example, somebody in maximum security might not be able to walk in, but in those cases, you, yeah. can, you can go see them. Yes, absolutely. Um, we go and see them. So tell me more about your event that's coming up, um, uh, put on together by One Love Media, which is uh, your organization that you started. Um, and so this year's theme is called It's Unbroken. And I love that. It's, uh, it's actually what I'm calling this podcast, Unbroken. So, you know, tell me what inspired this event. And it's, we're now going on to the eighth year, but tell me what inspired this event. So what had happened is that during the Harper government, uh, there was a big story in the news of uh, one of the minister who was in charge of uh, the chaplaincy wanted to get rid of all the diversity chaplains after seeing that um, Wiccan, Wiccan uh, chaplains, chaplains are made available. And uh, basically they came down to say, well, get rid of all the diversity chaplains and, um, and just keep the Christian chaplains. But thank God, uh, Canadians, inmates, families, friends, community leaders, uh, Christian chaplains, diversity chaplains, everyone across the country wrote petitions and uh, said that this is wrong. Every inmate, regardless of their background, um, re uh, by, by the charter rights, should receive the service. And um, there was a group that was established about 40 years ago called the Interfaith Committee. Um, that represented about 30 denominations in Canada of inmates. So they also stepped in. So that's the time I started this community um, 
dinner, if you like, uh, with many chaplains and community leaders to talk. And, to, and I invited MPs and to bring together the community to say that this is important work and uh, we would like uh, you to consider keeping this uh, service. So thank goodness the chaplaincy continued and into the Liberal government has continued ever since. And uh, subsequently, every year, I continue the program by recognizing diversity chaplains. Last year, we had a, a Jewish priestess from the LGBT community. The year before, we had, you know, one year we had an imam, another year we had a pastor, etc. So this year, we we're recognizing a Rastafarian chaplain. And also, we recognize a few uh, inmates who have done successfully into the community to show the impact of chaplains upon the inmates' reintegration. And so we are having um, a tour of three of those inmates at this year's gala. And, and of course, I, wa I want to tell uh, the listeners that we're also happy to recognize Andrea Page for her amazing advocacy work that she has done um, in the community on behalf of those who are incarcerated and on behalf of those who are faced with mental mental challenges. Two years ago, our keynote speaker at the One of Gala is a well-known psychologist, I think, um, Dr. Del Kush, who did an amazing presentation on the statistics available on those who are mentally challenged and incarcerated and some of the issues of suicide, et cetera. So um, we are cognizant of this kind of a work that you do. Oh, well, thank you so much for that. I mean, I'm really humbled and, you know, I was certainly not expecting it, but the, the truth is I am extremely passionate about, you know, I, every time I see an incident in the news and, you know, somebody has committed often a heinous crime and I say mentally well people do not behave that way, right? So I think, you know, and I think sometimes people mistake that for saying that we don't, that people like me who are advocates are suggesting then that people are not responsible or accountable for their behavior, which is, is not the case. Accountability is, is extremely important. It's, it, it is very important. In fact, it's a huge piece of influencing somebody to take responsibility for their mental health. And in that, there has to be services available to support people to deal with their mental health. And, and we all know that are, who are working, whether it's inside or on the outside with, in advocacy, that we are you know, dealing with extremely vulnerable people with long histories of trauma and systemic issues that have led them to where they are today. And knowing, as you have mentioned before, that they will be released into society, it is in our full collective interest that we provide them with all the tools to recover and become a functional member of society. So, you know, with that, I know how busy you are. And I just, I really wanted a chance to talk to you, to get to, you know, give you an opportunity to share more about your work and to understand more about, you know, how things have evolved. Um, you are, you are a man of service. I am so impressed and inspired by you. Um, you know, what, what would you tell the average everyday person? Like, how can the average everyday person, you know, make a difference with, with vulnerable people or, or people who maybe are in conflict with the law? What would you suggest to the average everyday person? 
have an open mind. As Canadians, we always pride ourselves that we're not prejudicial, we're not racist, we're not discriminatory. We open up our arms. Like right now, you know, Canada's opened up its arms to Megan and Harry. And uh, because uh, that's what Canada's about, right? Multicultural. Um, but uh, from time to time, engaging with the public, engaging with the families, engaging with the media, engaging with uh, the community, um, those who are incarcerated, whether they're innocent or they're guilty, they are the least in the rung on the ladder of society. They're, the least, they're most disenfranchised and judged. And if you really want to make, a, if you really want to do something for humanity, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be only for those in cars. It could be for the homeless. It could be for the indigenous people of Canada. It could be for anyone. But just have an open mind. If you have an open mind, you, what will you do? You will ask questions. What will you do? You will inquire. You will search. You will ask critical questions. You will listen. And by listening, that's the beginning, the thousand steps of making a difference in the life of humanity. I remember the quote I read on your page right now, but I'm not remembering it completely. And it was something about, uh, you know, to, it was about showing up with love. Um, yeah, so go that's ahead. Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, we celebrated him yesterday and uh, that was his foundation, right? He was nonviolent, And even at his dying bed, when he was shot, um, he still reminded he still reminded uh, his right-hand person, the people around him, of the principle of nonviolence. So those are the, uh, are the heroes upon whose back we walk upon every day. Nelson Mandela, Mahatma Gandhi, Malcolm X, Dr. Martin Luther King, Prophet Muhammad, Jesus, Moses, um, all these great people. I think the foundation and the common thread is love and that's what uh, inspires the one love media the one love gala bob marley song one love as a matter of fact it's a real true story when this ha this this thing had happened to us as chaplains eight years ago i was sitting in my kitchen table and i was listening to youtube and i was down thinking what will happen and how can i make this turnaround and i landed on the bob marley song one love and I just said to myself, why don't I do a one love gathering of the community to talk about this problem? And uh, until today, we have one love gala. So this year is the eighth one love gala. Yes. Yes. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, I, I um, sorry, go ahead. I hope to see you there with your celebratory uh, spirit. I will be. <laughs> Well, I wanted to thank you so much uh, for coming on, Habib. Like, I am, yeah. you know, all I want to do with my podcast is inspire people, help people have the conversations that heal and, and to recognize, you know, leaders in the community. And you're, you're such a leader. I am so grateful to have come across you and your work and look so forward to attending your gala um february 29th and uh anybody who wants to go to this gala i will be posting the link uh when i release this podcast um and thank you so much habib for coming thank you and have a, a blessed evening thank you